One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Okay, so we've been talking about uh, meeting the God of the impossible and how the direct face-to-face supernatural encounters with the Lord are actually what transfigures and changes a person into a supernatural creature, the likes of which has never been seen before, and how... The encounter is actually the centerpiece and the work of the cross. And so we've been talking, I think this is actually part four of uh, this last series we've been doing. And, um, you know, the revelation of the accomplishment of Christ doing what the law could not do. Um, We're going to expand on that uh, a little bit more today. Um, This really needs to be pounded into your head um, and have religion uh, and and the, the nuances of religion literally broken free from you um, so that your dependence is on the voice of the Lord and not on what you know. A lot of people, just like the Pharisees, we talked about this over the last two, three messages, just like the Pharisees, they relied on what they knew. And in John 5, Jesus comes and is standing in front of them and they can't even recognize him. Why? Because they did not know the Holy Spirit. They did not rely on the Holy Spirit. They were knowledge-driven and not voice-driven. And just as a side note, when you see the word knowledge in the New Testament, most of the times it references um, knowing, the knowing of Christ, knowing his, his, his presence, not just knowing Scripture, knowing about Him, but actually knowing the person of Christ. And that's a personal relationship. That, mean, that means a person's prayer life becomes the centerpiece um, of, of your existence, of, of your purpose, knowing that all things come through hearing him. And those who hear him are the ones he calls to do the, you know, to do the supernatural, to conquer the impossible. And so we're going to jump in today. I'm going to start out by uh, sharing a dream, uh, a dream that the Lord used with me to reveal the depths of his grace and the dependence on the gifts of the Spirit um, and the Holy Spirit himself to bring people up the mountain to meet him, right? Because at the end of the day, sin, um, we talked about this last time, sin, actually the centerpiece of sin is that you are separated from the voice. You cannot hear him. And the only thing that overcomes sin is Christ. Christ conquered sin, right? The book of Hebrews says in uh, chapter 9, it says that if the law of Moses could have achieved that, if the Ten Commandments could have achieved it, then there would have been no need for Christ. But at the end of the day, we have a Savior. We have this one living God. We have the Son of God who was sent by the Father himself who accomplished what nothing else on this world, in this world could do. 
and that is to defeat and conquer all the darkness, right? Jesus not only holds the keys of life, but he also holds the keys of death. Revelation chapter one uh, says that that Jesus uh, descended into hell and he rose up with the keys of sin and death. So now Jesus holds all keys. And if Jesus holds all keys, the only one who has the answers to your issues in life is Jesus, right? Jesus, Jesus Christ is your answer. And the only way that those keys are granted to you is if you, if you know him, if you hear him, he speaks. And when he speaks, he's given you keys. He's given you new abilities to conquer darkness in your life. Amen. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to review this dream with you, and then we're going to jump into, I have a lot of scripture to review with you today, um, and then we're going to pray at the end. So this dream starts out with, I'm standing next to Christ, um, who's sitting on his throne at the, in the midst of a valley. There's a mountain in front of us, and there's this, this valley, um, and adjacent to the, uh, or actually, you know, right uh, to our right, um, in the dream, inside in the valley itself, are people on a street, and the people are they're naked, they're drunk, uh, they're fornicating with each other, they're they're just doing things with the world. They're oblivious to the fact that the throne of Christ is present in the valley with them. And the next thing I see is Jesus hands me a hammer, okay? And he motions for me to follow him. And we begin walking into the crowd and one by one, Jesus points to people. And when he points to people, I hit them over the head with a hammer. They fall down like they're unconscious. And we drag them over to the throne. And when we drag them over to the throne, I see this river that flows from underneath the throne and it flows against gravity. It does what in the natural world is impossible. It flows up the mountain. And so as it flows up the mountain all the way to the top, I see at the very top of the mountain, I see uh, uh, what appears to be a great light, a glory. And I see gates open um, and the river actually flows into heaven. And Jesus is motioning for me to help him drag these people over to the river. We throw them in the river and the river takes them up the mountain. We get one in, we walk back in the crowd, boom, he points, I hit him over the head, falls to the ground, and uh, we drag him over the river, and this dream lasted all night long, guys. I mean, it, it was like Jesus wanted to prove a point with me about the hammer, the, 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 uh, the, the, the throne that was granted in the midst of the valley, and the river that goes against all um, physical uh, limitations of the world and actually takes people up the mountain to do what they couldn't do. And so um, I just, I want to talk about the prophetic symbols in this dream because it's important for you to understand. Um, number one, the throne in the valley, Jesus came to a dead dying world, right? He was put in the midst of darkness because he's the only one that could conquer it. And so when Christ rose from the grave, what did he give? He gave, he gave one thing, right? Acts chapter 2, he gave the Holy Spirit. Stay in this city until you receive the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit 
flows against gravity. There's nothing in this world that can stop the purpose and intent of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit was given by Christ as the second phase of accomplishment of the victory of the cross, right? Jesus on the cross and everything he did on the cross is what we call the front side of the cross. But the back side of the cross is where you live in victory. It's the place where the river flows and does things that man cannot do on his own. That's the whole reason why Jesus gave the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit um, actually works through people who've been in the river and know that the river of God is the only thing that can take people into the holy place, into the supernatural, to hear the voice of the Lord, right? We talked last time that Moses came down the mountain uh, the, from, for, from the first encounter with the Father with the intention and invitation to bring the nation up. The nation refused. Why? Because sin was so dark upon them. They could not respond, so they stayed in the valley, right? And so Moses goes back up. The Lord says, I'll give them words on stone to reflect their heart. And the intention of the law of Moses is to cause men to recognize that they can't achieve the law. So they fall on their face and cry out for God. Well, guess what? God sent his son. He has already come and he sent the Holy Spirit. And those of us who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? The gift of prophecy, words of knowledge, healing. Those are all ways that break the grip of sin and darkness. Okay, the hammer is a symbol of prophecy, right? He called Jeremiah. He said in Jeremiah 51, he says, you are my hammer and weapon of war. With you, I will break the nations in pieces. I will destroy kingdoms. What's he talking about? Is he mad against man? He's not mad at you. The blood of Jesus washed all sin, not just those who come to the altar and say yes. The blood of Jesus has accomplished for all of humanity everything that ever needed to be accomplished. All sin is conquered. But the hammer is actually a representation of the, of the voice of prophecy that breaks and uh, breaks the grip of sin. Even if it's momentarily, it breaks it and allows people to be tossed into the river and taken up the mountain and, and encounter the Lord in ways that, you know, it could never happen without it. And so people say, well, you know, I hear people say all the time, you know, prophecy and the gifts of the spirit, they're kind of an optional thing. You don't need that. You just need to go to the altar and say, I believe in Jesus. Well, my answer to that is, if you just go to the altar and say, I believe in Jesus, and you're not hearing his voice, then you're not really in Christ. And I don't know what that altar call was for you. It's actually just a, you know, maybe it made you feel good. Maybe you had a little bit of conviction. But at the end of the day, the goal is that you've embraced the fullness of Christ and the river takes you up to meet the living God and you hear him. You have a you have a face-to-face -face continuous relationship with him. That's the essence of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit right? Joel chapter two says that when the spirit of God is poured out, you will dream dreams, you will have visions. Well, guess what? Visions and dreams are the foundation of the gifts of the spirit. Because you hear God, the gifts of the spirit work through you. And because of that, you can prophesy. You know, when the Lord is leading you to lay hands on people that they be healed. You know, when the Lord has given you a word of knowledge about a person's past life and like a hammer, when you speak it to him, it breaks them free. They fall down, right? 
First Corinthians 14 says that when pro- true prophecy comes to people, they weep, they cry, they fall down, and they get up saying, surely that was Jesus. That's the power of the voice of God. And that's the thing, that's the very thing that, it's the foundation of my ministry. It's the foundation that I desire to see people multiplied in the revelation of the embrace of the Holy Ghost and the fact that Jesus Christ speaks to you. And when he speaks to you, you become a supernatural element, a supernatural creature that has never been seen before on earth, right? And so how will, how will the people see? How will they see without a, it, it says in Romans 10, how will they see without a preacher? How will they know? Is that just a guy reading scripture? I beg to differ, guys. It's not. It's the guy, because in that scripture, it actually references the fact that it's the rhema word of the Lord, the direct voice of God that imparts faith and does something to people that they can't do on their own. So the, the hammer, the gift of prophecy speaks into a person's heart and they literally weep and fall down. And every time that happens, I'm envisioning the river of God taking them up the mountain, right? They get up changed. They get up new creatures, totally transformed. Some of you have heard me tell the story, the red shirt prophecy night. I, you've, you've heard me talk about the story of, of Jesus came to me in a dream and suddenly I'm preaching to thousands of people in India. And I can tell you story after story how the river of God took me to hear him. And when I heard him, I came down with a new glory. And that's the essence of everybody in a relationship with, with the Lord. He speaks, you're transformed to do a new mission after new mission after new mission. Right. So we talked uh, about the ultimate goal of sending Christ to offer you a better covenant. So the question is, are you living in, in the better covenant? Right. Because only the voice of God can wash you. A lot of people think that, well, you know, if you just read the Bible, you'll be washed. And that's kind of I mean, the, the intent of the Bible, which is scripture. The true word of God is Christ, right? Revelation 19 says that, that the living Christ has his name on him. It's called, the, he, he is known as the word of God. So the word of God is the living Christ. And, and when, Jesus, uh, when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, he got to Peter and Peter said, no, no, Lord, you don't need to wash me. And Jesus says, no, listen to me, Peter. If I don't wash you, meaning that if I don't speak over you, if I don't, prophesy your destiny to you if I don't cleanse your past and reveal the new establish you in the new creature that you really are according to what I wrote about you before the foundations of the earth you will never you will never step into it it's impossible for you to step into the new thing without me washing you and so like when I go into my prayer life my intention in the prayer life is Holy Spirit, come, take me up the mountain, wash over me, flood my heart with light. Let me hear you. Let me take me down the path of the next thing you have for me, where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. Uh, do I sit? Do I rest? What What is the next thing? Right. And so the, the symbolism of this dream is uh, it's a picture 
of Christ and why he came and actually why he sent the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You guys know that anybody who listens to me, you know that I dwell in the gift of prophecy whenever I go to churches. I mean, every every session here we do at School of the Holy Spirit, um, we pray and minister with people for the washing of the water of prophecy, words of knowledge, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we have seen people here in the school in the Holy Spirit. We've seen pastors and churches literally changed and transformed. Places that refused the Holy Spirit a year ago. And now a pastor gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. Then his leadership team gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. The leadership team together goes up the mountain to hear the Lord. And as they hear the Lord, they change the way their church services work, instead of being routine, repetitious, dead, orchestrated events, they now become things where they come in in the morning, they pray in tongues, they expect to hear the Lord. He speaks, he directs him. Today, we're going to pray for the sick. Today, uh, uh, Millie is going to prophesy over people. Today, he and that's the way that's the way of gathering that you gather around the voice and the voice of the holy spirit orchestrates everything and they have seen they have seen hundreds of people now be touched and washed weeping in church services because the presence of the lord the river of god is present taking people where they've never gone before to the mountain and person after person is hearing hearing God, being baptized in the Holy Ghost. And so, um, you know, I just, I want to spend um, a few minutes talking about the book of Romans. Um, because Paul spends a lot of time, at least in the first eight chapters of the book of Romans, contrasting what is known as the oracle or the voice of the Lord versus the law of Moses or the conditions set by the by the law of Moses. And we're going to walk through uh, this because ultimately if you understand this and you can keep referencing back to the book of Romans and what Paul was trying to explain, the end goal, guys, is that you become spirit dependent in your prayer life. That's why he gives the gift of tongues. We'll talk about that tonight because it, it is a mainstay. Uh, the gift of tongues is a is a foundational element in you um, embracing the voice of God. Okay, so let's start with Romans uh, three twenty one. Um, I'm going to read uh, three or four verses here. We're going to talk about it for a few minutes. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law, and and just to point out, guys, the word law used in the book of Romans. Um, actually references two different laws. Um, number one is the law of Moses. The second is actually what's known as the law of the Spirit, law, the law of the Holy Spirit or the oracle. It's where the voice comes from. And so throughout these first eight chapters, he is contrasting those two, okay? So now the righteousness of God apart from the law, meaning the conditions, is revealed. He's saying before in the Old Testament, all you had were conditions, but now in Christ, you have the new law, which is the, the law of the Holy Ghost, okay? 
being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the, re through the redemption that is in Christ, whom God has set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate the, in the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier. At the end of the day, guys, what that's saying is the law could never save you. The law of Moses could never save you. So he sent his son, and I'm going to reference the dream. He sent his son on a throne to dominate in the valley and do in the valley what the law could not do. And what, did, what comes out from underneath the throne? If you read Revelation 22, what comes out from underneath the throne? Or Ezekiel 47, the river of God, their life. That is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does what the law of Moses cannot do. The, the Holy Spirit takes you to ascend the mountain. Okay? Verse 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? And again, um, the word law here is the word conditions, meaning the law of Moses. No, but by the law, meaning the oracle of faith. So when the Lord speaks, um, Faith is imparted. Man cannot create faith on his own. Okay? The only thing that can create faith is what he speaks. That's why I teach people all the time. When you receive a prophecy, a dream from the Lord, a vision from the Lord, you write it down. Because he is imparting something to you that didn't exist before. You cannot create faith. Faith is a supernatural thing. Okay, and so if you connect the dots on recognizing what faith is and where it comes from, Romans 10 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, meaning the voice of God. Okay, so the only thing that pleases God is faith. The Bible says that only faith can please him. So only in a relationship or only by the grace of a prophetic person coming up to you and speaking the new thing into your life, when you hold on to it, your heart becomes knit with faith. And faith does what you could never do on your own. Faith does what the law of Moses could not do. So if you understand faith, you have to become dependent on the next thing the Lord is saying to you. Okay? And so if you continue on through this, um, you know, the Holy Spirit um, is the, uh, what, what's known as the ergio, the Greek word ergio, meaning to raise up, to raise Jesus from the dead. When you search the scripture and you see, see that it says that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from, from the dead, that word is the word ergio, Okay. And it actually means to raise you up. So just as Christ was raised from the dead, every time the voice of the Lord speaks into your heart, he's raising you from glory to glory to glory. So you are voice dependent and not simply scripture dependent. Okay? Again, don't get me wrong. I love scripture. I've read this Bible thousands and thousands and thousands of hours. The Lord has taught me 
is he's woken me up in the middle of the night, taken me to certain scriptures and said, do you want to know what this really means? And sat there and spoke to me for an hour about certain things. I love the scripture. The Lord teaches me through scripture, but the end game is his voice, the relationship. I am not Bible dependent. I am Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ, living voice dependent. Okay. The one who was resurrected, the one who has his name, the word of God who speaks to men today, that's who I depend on. When I go into the deepest, darkest place in the earth, when I go into hardened Hindu villages in India that have burned people alive on the street for trying to bring Christ in, I don't depend on trying to regurgitate, memorize scripture. I depend on what the Lord is speaking to me in that moment. And I've, you've, you've heard my messages. I've, I, give, I give examples of supernatural things the Lord has done in just about every message that I, that I minister to you guys. And I encourage you, the only way that trust comes is in a prayer life of depending on His voice. Okay? A lot of you, a lot of you were taught to memorize Scripture and depend on the Scripture. That's a good thing because you learn the principles. You learn the way of the Lord. But the Lord will never be you will never be ready to fulfill your calling and go into the darkest places on the earth until you become voice driven because it's the holy spirit that arigios you he takes you into a dark place and the only way you can rise up in that dark place is by the holy ghost meaning that you're in tune with the voice and what he says okay so Let's go on to Romans 4, verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. What does that mean? That means that the Lord came to uh, Abraham in a dream, right? If you go back in, into the book of Genesis, you start reading about Abraham. You see that the Lord came to Abraham. Um, Abraham was put into a trance. Right. Meaning that he was having a dream. It says that the torch of God, the burning flame came and walked between, um, you know, the, the, the dove and, and the animals that were sacrificed. And it was a symbolism of the covenant the Lord was making with Abraham. He spoke to Abraham and was promising him, I will fulfill what I have said to you. You will have descendants as the stars in the sky and the sand of the sea. Right. And all Abraham had to do is trust and believe in what was spoken. Okay. If you go into the book of Galatians, verse 3, 8, it says the gospel was preached to Abraham. How in the world can the gospel? A lot of people think that the gospel is written in scripture. That's part of it, guys. It documents the life of Christ. But it says the gospel, the true gospel, is actually when the Lord comes to you and speaks directly to your face. He's calling it the gospel. Abraham had the gospel preached to him. That is right out of Galatians 3.8. Go read it. Okay. I've actually preached several messages on that um, earlier uh, in the year. I, I encourage you to uh, go back and, and find uh, those messages. It'll teach you a lot about being voice driven by the Holy Ghost. Okay. And okay. So why did, why did uh, Paul reference Abraham? Because he's saying that the real goal was face-to-face -face encounter. It wasn't an achievement of conditions of Scripture. It was hearing, trusting, following. 
What did Jesus say to the disciples when he came? He said, follow me. Hear me, trust me, follow me. That's all he said. Why? Because Jesus, the only one who could fulfill the conditions, did it. And you are now no longer conditioned or reliant on words on stone. You're reliant on the living God. It was to transition you from something that man could not achieve, and it was it the law could not the law of Moses could not save a man. Right? If there would, there would have been no need for Christ. Only the living voice. So let's go on to Romans 4.23. Um starting with verse 23. Now it was now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him. Who? Who's him? Believe in the Holy Spirit who raised up Jesus. Again, the word origio, meaning to raise up Christ from the dead. How did that happen? How did, how did the raising of Christ happen? I'm here to tell you that it happened through prophecy. Jesus himself, by the power of the Holy Ghost, when he was arguing with the Pharisees, says, you will tear down this temple, and in three days it will be raised up. He was prophesying his resurrection. So what is the, how does the Holy Spirit work? He fulfills what is prophesied. Okay? It was the Holy Spirit that raised up Christ, took Christ, ascended him up the mountain into the heavens, and did what nothing else could do. So what was what's being what's being taught by Christ going to the cross? Christ had it says that Jesus Christ could have called down legions of angels, 12 legions. He could have stepped off of that cross. But he chose to follow the vision. Okay? And when he chose to follow the vision, he died he took sin to the grave so that you could live, trusting that what was prophesied, that the Holy Spirit would raise him up in three days. The Holy Spirit comes and raises him up. Okay? So you are still in the promise to Abraham. The, the, the stars that his descendants will be as the stars of the sea. I'm, I'm sorry, the stars of the sky and the sand at the seashore. Why is that so important? Because it's a prophecy that those who are children of Abraham, right? Sons of David, who Christ came as a son of David, meaning that Christ embodied the prophecies spoken. And as Christ comes in the prophecy, you benefit through the gift of the Holy Spirit. You become one of those stars. You become one of those, uh, the, the, some of the sand on the seashore. You are in the prophecy of Christ. Okay? So at the end of the day, it's the voice that raises people up. Why is prophecy so powerful? Whether it's on the street, whether it's in a church, wherever it's at, why is true prophecy so powerful? Because the voice of God speaks through a son or daughter of God and breaks down, it breaks through things that sin, it's a hammer, right? It breaks through things that 
sin itself, or I'm sorry, the conditions of the law could not break. Amen? So let's get on to Romans 7. Romans 7 um, is the most one of the most misunderstood pieces of Scripture throughout the whole Bible. Okay? And it's extremely important that you understand this. Paul was a Pharisee. Okay? Paul was not writing this from the perspective that he's still bound in sin. If Paul was still bound in sin, he would, he would not be able to write uh, 2 Corinthians 5, right? The, the, the scripture about being a new creature, the likes of which has never existed before, that all of your sin is washed away, that what, what was before Christ and the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you, what was does not exist because you've been washed by the blood, you've been washed by the word of prophecy, you are new in Christ. You ascend. You hear, right? And so Paul's not writing this passage from the perspective that he's still bound in sin. He's talking about what it was like to live as a Pharisee, knowing you were trying to achieve the law, but you, could, you were powerless to achieve it. So listen to what he says. And this is starting in verse 7, Romans 7, starting in verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covenant. But sin, taking opportunity by commandment, produced in me all manner of evil. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy. Why is this important to understand? Because what Paul just said is Without the law of Moses, I don't even know I'm a sinner. I don't even know that I'm in need of a savior, right? He says, and when he read about thou shalt not covet, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. He realized that he was a sinner in need, okay? And the revelation is that the law of Moses could not save. It just made it more like, how do I stop this? This, when will it ever go away? Okay, so let's go on to verse 13. Paul then is explaining the contradiction um, of why the law was given and what it made a human being to feel and function like. So as a Pharisee, Paul knew that well. It says that the Pharisee, the Bible says that the Pharisee had to memorize the first five books of the Bible right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They knew everything. They could regurgitate the scripture. And what Paul was saying is the regurgitating of scripture, speaking it, I, it could not save me. I could not stop sin. And he actually explains what it felt like, starting in verse 13. He says, has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not, but sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful, right? That was the intent of why the Lord gave 
Moses and the and the Israelites the Ten Commandments on stone to expose and reveal that they have a hardened, stony heart and that they need a Savior. So down to verse 21, I find then a law, meaning the, the condition of sin, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law, meaning he wants to do the right thing, Verse 23, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ and our Lord. Okay, so there is so much bad teaching on Romans 7 that it has made man, it has made the average churchgoer powerless. And powerlessness and Christianity should never be in the same sentence unless it says that the Holy Spirit came, baptized a person, they became a Christian, and no longer were they powerless, okay? Powerlessness to conquer sin is, it, it, it's actually a misnomer. Because if you believe in Christ, if you accept Christ, you are empowered, back to the vision, you are empowered to embrace the Holy Spirit, and it is the Holy Spirit that does what man can't do on his own. The Holy Spirit, the river from underneath the throne of Christ, takes you up the mountain to encounter your heavenly Father, to meet Him, to hear His voice, to be transfigured from glory to glory to glory. Okay, so when Paul is describing that evil was present with me, a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers says that you have a, you have a white dog, you have a black dog. You have good in you and you have bad in you. Well, listen, That if, if you still believe that as a Christian, you've been lied to. Why? Because my Bible and the explanation that's been given to me, not only by the Bible, but, but by my living Christ speaking to me, it is the word of the Lord that he speaks to me over me daily that washes me. He is, is the one who, who has already cleansed me right? Second uh, Corinthians 5, 17 says that you've been made a new creature in Christ. If you've been made a new creature in Christ, how in the world is there a war inside of you? How in the world is there a black and a white and there's this fight and you get to choose which one you're going to follow? That's a, that, is that, that is actually a lie from the devil. And that is actually what Paul explains here, what it was like as a powerless Pharisee who memorized scripture but did not know the Holy Spirit. Why? He was not made new. He was not a new creature. He's, he's describing what it was like as a mere man having good and evil in him, right? And he was powerless to stop it. And he comes to the revelation, verse 23, but I see it, or I'm sorry, Verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God for Jesus Christ. I thank God for Jesus Christ. Listen to me. That should be the revelation of you as a believer. I thank God for Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ who has broken me free from drug addiction, who has broken me free from pornography, has broken me free from prostitution, who has broken me free from poverty, who has broken me free. And that, if that is not your revelation of the victory of Christ, then you've been lied to. You've been cheated. You are in this world of trying to fight to win. 
against something. You know, one of the one of the one of the greatest deceptions of 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 Satan is to get you as a so-called Christian to continue to fight yourself. You know, a person who's depressed, if they believe that their depression is coming from that darkness within them, then they don't believe that there's a that they're a new creature. Right? Why is that so important? Because once you realize that Christ made you new, your war is not from inside of you. Your war is from the outside of you. Okay? We'll get to that here in a minute. But Paul then goes and he contrasts the difference. He the, the punchline of the whole revelation, Romans 8, verse 2. I'm sorry, verse 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What's that mean? That the blood of Jesus has washed you free. He conquered all your generational curses. He had made you free. You may not feel free, but you are free. You may not sense that you're free. You may still have certain urges, but you're free. We'll get to that. We'll get to the understanding of that in a minute and what, he's, what he means by that. But verse 2, for the law, meaning the oracle of God, the voice the living gospel that still speaks to you daily, 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 daily in your prayer life. He is speaking to you for the law of God, the oracle of the Holy Ghost in Christ has made me free from the law, meaning the law of Moses, the law of sin and death, right? It's the Ten Commandments that say you will die without a savior, but it's the living Christ who speaks and raises you up every day. So are you in Christ or are you bound in the law of sin and death? If your thoughts are hopeless and despair, you're never going to overcome. You're never going to achieve. There's not a purpose in your life. Then you're bound in sin and death. You actually need to fall on your face. I don't care if you've been to that altar a hundred times. If you are not hearing God, if you are in a denomination that does not embrace the voice and tries to get you to achieve scripture, you've been deceived. You've been taken advantage of. By a false gospel, because there's only one thing that can raise you up, just like the one thing that raised up Christ, and that is the Holy Spirit and the speaking voice of the Holy Spirit. Rise up and walk. And that is what the Lord is saying to many of you today. Rise up and walk. So many of you are probably sitting there thinking, man, am I saved? Have I really been born again? Am I really blown by the wind of the Holy Spirit? Like Jesus said in John 3, that you would be blown by the wind, that you would be resurrected in Christ to see the kingdom, to hear the kingdom. Well, if you don't have dreams and visions, if you don't know that the Lord is speaking to you, then then we, we've got to lead you to Christ, okay? And if you're led to Christ, you recognize that the war is outside of you, not within you. That's a very important point. The war, once you are in Christ and you are made clean, you are made a new creature, Creature, there is no longer darkness filling you, okay? There is light. The light of Christ comes within. He fills you with the Holy Ghost. And the reason that's important is that's how you war. That's how you go to war to embrace the new thing the Lord has for you and to conquer all the junk that enslaved you in, a, in your past life, you go to war with the demonic, okay? If you can picture yourself as a puppet on the string, every one of us, the Lord says that we are born into the curse. If you can picture yourself as a puppet with all these strings, some of you have depression strings. 
Some of you have hopelessness and despair strings. Some of you have fear strings. Some of you have poverty strings. Some of you have alcohol addiction strings. You're, you picture a demon with strings maneuvering you. So if you are not in Christ, you are under the power of evil. Okay? First, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience. This gets to the heart of your belief system. If you believe in Christ and he has made you clean, those thoughts that you grew up in, that you're worthless, that, you're, that you'll never achieve, that uh, you're always going to be addicted, that, 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 is, um, that is the string that you're used to being pulled by that demonic power. And instead, once you are in Christ, instead of you fighting yourself, you have this revelation, right? Paul is saying here that our weapons are not carnal, meaning they're not in the flesh, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by strongholds? Well, if you go to Ephesians 6, starting with verse 11, and, and you read about the war of a believer, he says our war is not against flesh and blood. It's against principality and power and ruler of darkness, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. Demons are real, guys. Demons are real. I've cast, de I've cast thousands of demons out of people. When I preach, I go into churches and I start to prophesy. There, you, it, almost every night, a person, at least one person, and then multiple people, will begin to growl and hiss and uh, scream. And, and I, I end up casting demons out of people as I'm prophesying. That's because the power of the prophetic is driving out the darkness, the washing of the water of the living word, the spoken voice of God. Okay. And Paul, and, and this, the, the heart of the, of your belief system has to be that Jesus Christ has made me new. He's made me free. He's made a way by the Holy Spirit. And I need to embrace the Holy Spirit because it is the only thing. The Holy Spirit is the only thing that can overcome the, the laws of the earth. It can overcome you. It overcomes uh, gravity on the earth. And it, it is, the, it is the, the water. It is the river that takes you against gravity up the mountain it's impossible, guys. Only the Holy Ghost, just as the, only the Holy Ghost could raise Christ from the dead, only the Holy Ghost can raise you up. So what does that mean? It's the oracle of the Lord. The gifts of the Spirit, the dreams, the visions of the Lord are about Him speaking to you. Okay? And I just, I want to emphasize two things in your prayer life right here. Number one is getting back to Romans 8. Um, Paul culminates the revelation of the oracle of God, the, the, the law of sin and death versus the law of the Holy Ghost, right? The law of life in Christ Jesus. He culminates it in, in Romans um, 8.26, 
where it says that for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. Did you catch that? He sent the Holy Spirit to intercede for you. How does that happen? Well, a lot of people say, I don't, I don't know what tongues are. I'm afraid of it. I, I don't know what it does. I don't really, I did it, you know, maybe a year ago, but I don't do it all the time. Listen, guys, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I prayed in tongues. It was the only way I could find peace. I would pray in tongues all night long. I, I, there was depression. I, w- I had alcohol issues. But when I found the presence of the Lord, I became addicted to the presence of the Lord. And I found that when I prayed in tongues, he spoke to me. And that is the pattern of the, of the New Testament. In the book of Acts, every time people got filled with the Holy Ghost, it says they prayed in tongues and prophesied. They prayed in tongues and prophesied. How does prophecy come? When you pray in tongues, the Lord speaks to you. He gives you vi- visions or dreams right? You hear him. And when you execute what he shows you in vision, that turn, that is, that's how, that the outward crop of that is you prophesy, you lay hands on the sick, you cast out demons, you have words of knowledge, you pray in tongues and interpret tongues, you have discernment, you see spiritual things. You are no longer bound to the limitations of the earth because the Holy Spirit has made you a spirit man. That's what a new creature is. Okay, so I encourage you um, get some of my earlier teachings on the Holy Spirit and particularly the gift of tongues. But when you pray in tongues, it's like a child crying to his father, crying to his mother. When the child cries, the milk from the mother, the mother doesn't have to turn on the milk. She doesn't have to decide to turn on the milk. The milk flows. And that's what praying in tongues is like. If you pray in tongues, he will speak to you. You will have dreams. Okay? So, yeah, tongues and your prayer life are the, really the centerpiece of the New Testament. Because without it, you, you can't hear the Lord on a continuous basis. Amen? The other thing I would recommend to you is... Um, you know, seeking the Lord's direction on the um, on the puppet strings of the strongholds of the demonic powers that have ruled over your family bloodlines, ruled over. Um, you know, you can get on the list. You can go through through what your dad struggled with, your mother struggled with, your grandfather. You know, if your grandfather was a, a slop down, uh, stupid drunk like mine, there's a reason why. I was a slop down, you know, bender drinking, weekend blowing drunk. It's because that curse came through my bloodline. Okay. And I had to get specific words from the Lord to break those curses. So I encourage you guys, the, uh, the, the punchline with this um, is that the centerpiece of the gospel is the oracle, the law of the voice, the law of the Holy Ghost, okay? Um, And I just want to emphasize, you know, you guys have heard me talk about this a lot, uh, that really, you can't really have church without the gifts of the Spirit and prophecy. Uh, Paul spends 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 begging people. I wish He says, I wish you all pray in tongues, even more that you prophesy. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 5. Why does he say that? Because without the hammer, how do people, how do new people coming in the door, how do they get to the throne? 
How do they get in the river so the river can take them up the mountain and they have encounters with the living God? It's the hammer. It is the hammer. So I just, I just, I want to pray with you guys. Um, I just pray for every person listening to this. Um, I pray, I come against the strongholds of darkness that have bound you in darkness. I release the prophetic vision of the Lord into your life. I release dreams and visions into your life. I, I, I just, in, in the name of Jesus, I decree that you are a new creature, that you will not fight against yourself, that you will walk away today with the revelation that your enemy is the demonic. Your enemy is the voice of evil that tries to enslave you, keep you bound, keep you powerless, keep you from prophesying. Why? Because prophecy breaks yokes. The anointing of the Holy Ghost breaks yokes. And the enemy fears you becoming this new creature who embraces the voice of God and prophesies what the Lord speaks to you. I decree over you that you will no longer walk in hopelessness, despair, and fear. Depression will flee from you and the peace of Christ will raise, will be risen in your heart as the Holy Ghost has raised up Christ in you. That the hope of glory will be seen in you and through you. In the name of Jesus, I prophesy that you are a new creature in Christ and the hammer of God is placing you right now in the river and that river is carrying you up the mountain to a to an encounter tonight to an encounter tomorrow to an encounter next week to an encounter next month to a continuous encounter i decree over you that that the hammer of the holy ghost the the spirit of prophecy is breaking a, a dark yoke off of you right now in jesus name and that there's going to be a hunger and thirst for the presence of god you will fall in love with the supernatural force of the gift of tongues. You will pray in tongues and you will prophesy. You will have the vision of the Lord. You will dream his dream and you will be awakened in the night. The hair on your arms will stand up. You'll be breathless as you begin to tell people about the glories that the Lord showed you in the night season and in your prayer life and the visions that he shows you. I decree that the supernatural force of your destiny that he wrote about you before the foundations of the earth will be, will be begin will begin to be revealed in your life dreams and visions will come to you and and all the supernatural things that he has said to you are going to become real in your life from this day forward i release upon you hunger and thirst for his presence daily and a supernatural prayer life where you pray in tongues for hours and thirst after his voice that he may speak to you, that he'll release visions to you, that he releases dreams to you, that he will sing over you, that he will identify what you really are in Christ according to the books of heaven. In the name of Jesus, I break every curse that blinded your heart and imprisoned you in darkness. I decree those days are over and that you are no longer bound to the old because you are bound in Christ to the new thing. You are a new creature in Christ. I break drug addiction off of you. I break pride off of you. I break depression off of you. I break fear off of you. I break sexual sin off of you and every other sin intended to hide you and keep you bound and separated from the presence of God Almighty. I decree the Holy Spirit in your life. I decree the Holy Spirit in your life. I decree the Holy Spirit uh, sending people on the street, in the church, 
then prophecy after prophecy or prophecy will come to you and you'll have encounter after encounter after encounter as Jesus drags you to the river and you ascend into the heavenlies to have heavenly encounters in heaven. In Jesus' name, I release over you the word of the Lord, the hammer of God and decree that you will, we, you will spend much time daily in the river of life that takes you up the mountain to see his glory and be transfigured day after day after day. The demons will fear you. I decree over you that the demons will fear you. First, those who bound you in darkness, they will fear you, they will flee, and your confidence will grow. I decree that you will bring deliverance to your family. I decree that you will go into the workplace workplace with visions and words of knowledge and prophecy, and the hammer of the Lord will come upon the people that you speak to. They will even fall on their face and weep and cry in offices and in, in workplaces, in malls, in restaurants, as you speak the word of the Lord. And I just, I just decree over you that you are about to enter into a new season of encounter that will be so transforming that you'll never be able to be silent again the rest of your life. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. In Jesus' name, God bless you and uh, see you next time. Amen. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestonesministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Transfigured, The Call of the Horsemen to Awaken the Church, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.